Welcome to the Thinking Leader Podcast, sponsored by Red Team Thinking. Bad leaders react, good leaders plan, and great leaders think. Each week, we bring you new ideas and insights from business leaders, military leaders, and thought leaders. Ideas and insights that will help you think more deeply and lead more effectively, so that you can better navigate your complex world. Here again are your hosts, best-selling business author and top-rated leadership speaker Bryce Hoffman, and former Royal Air Force Wing Commander and Business Agility Coach Marcus Dimbleby. Hello and welcome to the show. I am Bryce Hoffman, president of Red Team Thinking and author of the book Red Teaming. Coming to you from foggy California today, I am joined as always by Marcus Dimbleby, vice president at Red Team Thinking in sunny London, UK for a change. Great to be here. Wow. You guys have the sun today. That's awesome. Well, we we have some sun of our own on the show today because we have a Wonderful guest. Who is joining us today, Marcus? It is wonderful to have a guest with us indeed. So our guest today has over 20 years of global leadership experience, as well as dealing with the frontline business operations in his sector. He's a communications professional with deep experience in marketing, brand strategy, digital strategy for advertising and client leadership. He believes his, his role is to unleash the talent and creativity of 4,300 people in service of their clients. He's also a self-proclaimed father of three precocious children. I'd like to welcome to the show today, Christian Johansson, the CEO of Media Brands Emea. Christian, fabulous to have you. Christian, welcome. It is. Hey, thank you guys. It's lovely to be with you. Good to see you both looking so well. Likewise, Christian, likewise. We have had the privilege of working with you for a number of years now, and it's been such such a great opportunity for us because not only have we been able to share what we do with your organization, but we've been able to learn from you as a leader. And we were hoping that our listeners, our viewers could also pick up some of the the, the great insights and ideas that you've shared with us over the years. Can you talk to us a little bit about what Media Brands is and what you do? Bryce, I, I make no promises, but I, I will do my level best. I, uh, I promise. Um, <clears throat> yes, of course. So uh, as, as Marcus mentioned, I, I serve as the, the EMEA, um, CEO for Media Brands and Media Brands is the media arm for IPG into public group. And IPG is, is actually the fastest growing of the big six communications agency holding groups. Um, it's people first. Um, it's a progressive network, uh, uh, of agencies focused on clients and their transformation. Um, and I think, you know, why, uh, red team thinking, uh, as we refer to it, applied critical thinking is such fertile ground for us is because challenging ourselves and each other is crucial to, to really moving forward. Uh, we want to pioneer. And to do that, we need to sort of challenge uh, convention and and embrace new ways of thinking. And I think that's central to uh, maintaining and growing our competitive edge. And for me, applied critical thinking is really about meaningful problem solving and getting to the heart of the challenges that our clients bring us. Uh, and it's a mechanism and more importantly, perhaps a philosophy that allows us to, to push ourselves, uh, and come up with the best solutions for our clients. Um, and, and really for me, this is about being more for our clients and for our people and giving, giving our people new ways to problem solve and think, uh, around how we approach our clients' challenges in new and different ways. And and in turn, that opens up new avenues of partnership with those clients beyond perhaps the the expected avenues that exist in our business. Um, So we, we see the application of red team thinking as incredibly broad from things like talent attraction and retention programs to the all important 
new business and, 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 and growth initiatives we have to creating more diverse and inclusive communities, uh, to restructuring programs really across our business. The application of this philosophy, these tools and techniques is, is truly endless. And, uh, and we've been delighted to, to work with you both and your team to help accelerate this capability across our business. Awesome. You know, one thing I'm really excited about that you told me you were working on recently is helping Ukrainian refugees as part of an initiative that your, your company has been doing and how you've been able to use some of these tools and techniques in that capacity. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, it's, um, I mean, the, the crisis in Ukraine, I think, has has shocked and stunned all of us um, beyond what we thought we could experience in today's world. Um, and it, you know, we have, Bryce, we have, you know, 207 um, teammates that work for our Ukrainian affiliate wow. in, in Ukraine. We're in the process of, of leaving and we're in the, in the process of helping them. Uh, and we have a number of Ukrainian employees across the region and across Central Eastern Europe that need um, financial humanitarian uh, support and aid at this point. So the, the, the application of red team thinking um, was, was really in um, not only coming up with the plan, but really interrogating the plan to ensure that what we're doing on behalf of our people it is actually, you know, the right thing that we we're solving the right problems. So we've we we went through a sort of six strategic questions exercise internally. You know, these are all things that you know you guys will, will be familiar with that in terms of how you work with us. You know, mm -hmm. this that's a, a central tool to really ensure that you know what you deliver is what's needed. Absolutely. And, and that has been hugely important for us. So that experience of making sure that we're delivering what's needed to them at, you know, possibly the, the most crucial challenging time of their lives is, is, you know, all inspiring and, and incredibly humbling. So that, that has been a, an important part of this. Um, you know, we, uh, <clears throat> We thought quite, um, quite holistically around how we'd approach this. And, and initially our plan was, I would say, probably too complicated. So we, Interesting. we, um, you know, we thought, well, do we need to do housing allowances? Do we need to do, you know, do we need to help with child support? What do we do? And, and we settled on actually, this is about, you know, immediate emergency financial support, far be it from us to impose what we think uh, our teammates need. Um, they should have the flexibility to use that humanitarian fund as they see fit based on the immediate challenges that they face. So, you know, we really yet leveraged it in, in setting up the plan and then also critiquing the plan. And Bryce, you, you and I have talked a little bit about this, you know, over the, over the course of this, you know, three, four weeks that's been traumatic for all of us, none more so than the people in that region and in that, in that country. And, you know, what, what's been fascinating is, is none of us could have predicted that this would have happened, but to have had this, this tool suite accessible to us, has certainly allowed us to move more quickly uh, in in supporting uh, our teammates. I love that because it's it's a very different case than than what you learn these tools for at a certain level, which was you know to to help as you mentioned earlier work with your clients and help yeah. them solve their problems. Yeah. But I love how you've you guys have done such a great job of internalizing this red team thinking mindset and applying it to all sorts of problems, 
just really powerful. I think that's what you yeah. said earlier, Kristen. You talked about the philosophy. You know, this isn't just a set of tools. It's understanding it. Yeah. And, and you've really helped your people adopt the mindset that's needed. And you mentioned the word pioneer early on. And I, I love that word because, you know, I've seen you as that sort of pioneer within the company, taking people down this journey to bring them into this world of thinking differently. And, and as Bryce just said, then the value of doing that in this overly complex situation we're facing with Ukraine, but then allowing that overwhelming situation to be simplified with your team's knowledge has been fantastic. How did you, yeah. how did you find out about red teaming and red team thinking concept to get to where you yeah. are today? I read, I read Bryce's book. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was back in 2018, I think. And, uh, uh, had seen the Financial Times book review on it. And I think, um, my, my father had had a copy and we, we were talking about things that we were reading and he's, you know, you've got to check this out. And I, you know, I, I think, you know, I, I, as, as you guys know, I'm a communications professional, right? And I began my, my career in the, uh, in the advertising business, you know, where copying great headlines are as important as, beautiful imagery and and I think right. the 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 title of the book transform your business by thinking like the enemy I mean, how, how can you not want to read that so <laughs> I, I you know I picked it up and and uh, and flew through it and you know I I read a fair amount of business books just as part of trying to stay up to date and, and you know I'm a, I would say a fairly curious person but what set this apart for me um, was pretty immediately I saw the application and I saw the application to our business. And I know that, you know, the, the way this bubbled up and came about as a, as a way of thinking, you know, you know, my business wasn't necessarily the, the training or trialing ground for, for this, um, these techniques and tools. But I, I saw it immediately because so much of business, so much of, uh, yeah, so much of business is so, so consistent. You know, all of us have sales functions. All of us have talent issues that right. we're dealing with. These are consistent problems, challenges, themes that we need to, to, to land and, and, and nail. And, uh, th that's what, what I loved about the book, it, it felt more like a, a roadmap. It had the balance of kind of the theory, you know, I think you need that to set it in some sort of a context, but you know, the real goal for me were, were the final chapters, which were about how you applied this. And, and for me, that, that was, it was a joy to read. And, and I was excited because I, I could see, uh, the potential. And, uh, you know, in my own way, started in a, in a, you know, in a non Bryce and Marcus approved way. I was, I was using it on a, on a global client that I was running at the time, um, uh, out of New York and, uh, and was, you know, was, was trying these tools and techniques in my own way. And I, um, you know, I, I can't say that. They were the reason for our success. And, you know, we at one point had, I think, about an 85% pitch conversion rate, which in our business is, you know, is unheard of. That's huge. Absolutely. Yeah, it was huge. Um, when you account for the, the, the quality of the competitive set. But it, 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 I can say it helped. I can, I can say it clarified uh, challenges and, and got us on the front foot and got us thinking in a far more client centric way than perhaps we would have done before. I know it sounds strange to say that in a, in a client business. Um, but it, it, it got us incredibly focused on the, the critical needs of the client and, and allowed us to, to hone in on that. Um, and, uh, and I, I, I think the, the techniques from the book were invaluable. Well, thank you. And, you know, I mean, that is really one of the things that Red Team Thinking is really designed to do. If you look at the origins of it, you know, some of these tools and techniques came from the U.S. military after 
it realized that it had made some serious missteps in Iraq. And one of the biggest missteps that military leaders who, who helped develop these tools recognized that they had made was to fail to look at their plans, look at their strategies, look at their decisions through the lens of not just the U.S. Army, but through all the stakeholders, through the Iraqi people, through coalition partners, through NGOs. And they realized that when they did this, it gave them a much more holistic, three-dimensional view of the problem. And it also revealed their own biases and how they were how they were solving their problems in some case, rather than solving the problems of the people that they were supposedly trying to help. And I think a lot of businesses, even businesses that are in the customer service space and who do a really good job of serving their customers still benefit tremendously from being able to, in, in an intentional way, look at the situation through the lens of their customer's eyes and understand the problem from the point of view of their customer and understand how to kind of scratch the itches that their customers may be feeling. Yeah, it's very true. I, I think that's, uh, that's incredibly true to, to my experience um, in, in how it worked for me. And again, it was, it was a really quite, a, <laughs> I don't mean to be depressing about it, but it was quite a solo experience in, uh, that I had with it. It was quite isolated, you know, there were, it was a very, very small team because, you know, we were just starting to grow the business. Um, but I saw, I saw the potential and I think I, I, there were really two reasons, I think, that um, I wanted to take what I'd learned from building um, that, that global business that I was, was running at the time. There were really, yeah, two things um, that, that I wanted to bring forward as I transitioned into my, my new role, the, the role I'm currently in um, across EMEA. And first and foremost, and I think these are core tenets to the philosophy. Um, first is disrupt yourself before someone does it to you. Absolutely. Right? We, we, were, we were a successful business, but, um, you know, and, and the book talks about this a lot. And, and I, you know, I, I see it everywhere. Um, but successful businesses can get complacent. Uh, and I'm not saying Great. we're a complacent business, but far from it. What I'm saying is that it's quite easy to slip down that path. And, and I wanted to, wanted to get on the front foot with it. So that was the first reason is, is this notion of continuing to root out sort of complacency mm -hmm. if, if it existed. Um, and then the second part was, and this, this really is where I see the power of this capability, uh, is I believe that we're really as good as the decisions we make. Oh, and I then, love that. We're really as good as the decisions we make. Yeah. For me, that's important, Bryce, because uh, you know, as we talked at the beginning, you know, we're an incredibly people oriented, people first business mm -hmm. for our own people and for, for our clients. And therefore our people are at the center of everything we do. And, and if we focus on providing them with the capabilities to make better decisions, that impacts all of the other aspects of what's so important in our business, whether it's starting new services, um, becoming more client-centric and consultative. Um, you know, we want to make sure that the investments we make are worth it. Right. And, and that we're building better capabilities, hiring better, you know, more diverse people, um, developing more inclusive cultures that inspire and allow our people to flourish. So for me, that, that's where this needed to start. It needed to start with our people. So often we, we kind of forget that we go to, well, we need to build products. We need to, you know, we need to sort these services out. Okay. But just think about if you started the, the nub, the core, you get that right. The ancillary benefit just flows through the, the complete 
um, chain of events and, and the impact is, is dramatically increased. So that, that's what I see my responsibility as, is I want to give, uh, give to our people this, this capability to feel empowered to make better decisions on behalf of their teams, um, on, on behalf of their clients. And what's cool, and, and you'll know this, both of you, is that th this isn't just a, um, a capability for professional life. It right. spills over very quickly <laughs> into all aspects of life. How's it working with those three kids right now? <laughs> well, exactly. Uh, you know, thank you. I don't need to start renting them yet. It'll come. It'll come. But there are lots of, um, you know, lots of anecdotes that, that I've gotten from, from our team who, who have just absorbed this. And it does take a while to absorb because it is a new way of thinking. So right. it, it isn't easy. But once it is absorbed, it's easy to apply and it's, and it's efficient and effective. Well, one of the things I love, Christian, is you, you talked about how this started as a solo journey, but it certainly hasn't finished as a solo journey. You have done an amazing job more than any client we've worked with, honestly, of rolling this out throughout your organization. You, you not only trained your senior leadership team, you've trained the presidents of each of your country uh, groups, countries across the EMEA region. Yeah. And now you have created this amazing champions program to help yeah. build a cadre of red team thinkers throughout your organization. And so I, I just think it's really amazing how quickly and, and and this is really on you i mean you drove us to to build these programs how you've taken this from you know a couple of years ago just doing a program for your senior leadership team and now push this out across the emea region in a way that's very powerful i mean you're right bryce i mean it's evolved and developed quickly um you know if i'm to be really reflective on on my experience with it i you know i I was probably very controlling at the begin at the beginning stages because I, uh, and that that's not my normal nature, which is quite interesting about this. But I, I guess I I hoped and believed in the potential, and um, but I, I I didn't know it would be met with such kind of passion and interest like it has been, and it was important that it, it rolled out correctly because. <clears throat> we needed we needed the senior leadership across the region to to understand it, um, to understand the importance of it, but also to buy into it, to create an environment for people in in other roles that reported into them ultimately to to have the license to to go use these tools and techniques and to trial them uh, in in important ways, and and that is happening. And I think now. Um, the, the time is right for me to perhaps be a bit more invitational with it, um, be a bit more, you know, loosen the reins a little bit and, and, and let re really let the team see and feel it for themselves because they will have applications for this thinking far beyond my wildest dreams, I think. And, uh, uh and that's, that's where I'm now. You know, in, in that journey, you're using it to enable distributed decision making, right? Which is really one of the key goals, and 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 I think that's very powerful and very necessary in yeah. these kind of complex, chaotic, and rapidly changing times that we're operating in right yeah. now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you talked about you know bringing in a diverse workforce, having inclusion, and this is that ability to then create diversity of thought. Well, Marcus, you're onto something there that that um, is hugely important to us as an organization. Um, there is no doubt that a more diverse workforce um, is, is a business requirement these days in terms of bringing new theories, new thinking um, to the table, again, in service of our clients. That's, that's what this is about. To solve their problems, I mean, it's, it's service and solutions. And um, for me, the, the applied critical thinking, as we, as, as we refer to it, yeah. it's the great leveler really, because it, in, its, in its procedure and its process, because it, um, 
it seeks to give everyone a voice and and it allows for alternate and different opinions to be aired and so that the you know really the most powerful voice isn't the most powerful and that that to me is central to the the diversity equity and inclusion agenda we have we have to practice it uh, and it has to be absorbed into the organization and these tools inherently have that built into their ethos yes and i think that's uh that's that's been it's been a surprising massive ancillary benefit absolutely because it, it wasn't something we thought about initially we you know this 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 bubbled up as a as an, a real insight in wow th this is actually you know i I'm, i call it the great leveler because it allows everything to mm -hmm. come up and to ensure that you're you're actually making sound decisions and not going down rabbit holes right before right all of the 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 material or the facts have been aired. Well, the best ideas don't matter if nobody ever hears them, right? That's right. It, you can have the oh, the best idea in the world, but if nobody ever gets a chance yeah. to hear it, then yeah. what good so is true. it to you? I think what's what's important is you know the diversity and equity and inclusion thing is critically important for its own sake, but it's in, important because it's about improvement. And so for me, you know, a critical aspect of uh, developing an organization that that progresses and and isn't just a progressive organization is really where uh, where you know the responsibility to challenge the prevailing view to get to something better finds its feet and it it, it is most applicable so f for me it's you know it, it again it underscores the importance of diversity and inclusive thinking as a business requirement. Well, you know, I'll, I don't want to say which government, but we work with a government that, you know, we, we were doing some, some training not related to diversity and inclusion originally, but then we had some of their, their folks who are spearheading their diversity and inclusion effort who had been part of a program we'd done reach out to us. And Marcus could talk a little bit more about this, but to say, you know, Hey, you know, We've done a great job as an organization hiring people so that we look diverse. But those of us who who have been hired are not being listened to. <laughs> it's still it's exactly still the, the stale old white males who are who are doing all the talking and and making yeah. all the decisions. So what what are we but window dressing? Right, Marcus? Exactly exactly that. We went in there and we said, look, you've got all these great DE&I programs, and we see them all over LinkedIn, all over HR policies. And they said they're just checkbox. They're just trying to hit quotas. And, and as you, you nailed it, Christina. If you don't do this for improvement, if you do it for the sake of checking a box to be seen to be diverse, then you're missing the point here. This is about improvement. It's about bringing people in and unleashing their capabilities. And we had a great client last week. He says, diversity without inclusion is delusion. I love that. And I just thought that was brilliant. And this organization we were working with, this government organization, we were helping this team. And I was talking to these individuals who have been brought in. I said, so how do you feel? And they said, Marcus, we are pure tokenism. But we've seen these tools that allow us to now have that. And as you said, it's a great leveler. They now go into these meetings. Nobody knows who's saying what. They can use the anonymity. And their voices are getting heard. And they said, without these tools, we just sit there quiet. It's pointless speaking. Because as Bryce said, those stale, pale old males just shut us down. And it's not an accepted capability anymore. But, you know, it, it's something that has to change. And we are seeing definite shifts in that direction. And you're absolute pioneering on that front. So it's fabulous. And one of the things I like, Christian, about what you've done in, in our work with you, when I've seen this particularly when we've worked with your country leaders, is that when you start to have a discussion, when you pose a question, you rapidly, in every case, you start to see that there are different parts of Europe that, and, and the Middle East that have come up with solutions to the problem that the rest of the organization doesn't know about yet. And then they're able to share those insights. You know, we're doing a program where I don't remember what the specific problem was, but some of your, your, your folks in Scandinavia said, hey, 
we've been dealing with this issue in Scandinavia. Here's what we've figured out how to do. And then folks in Romania and Czech Republic and Poland were like, oh, that's exactly what we're dealing with. You know, that's what we need here. And I just love that exchange of ideas. It's so powerful and it's so important. Yeah, it really is. And it, for us, it's such a phenomenal vehicle for that exchange because it's, it's again, it's purposeful and meaningful. And for the most part, if almost in all cases, I would say, it's either focused on, on our clients or on our people. And, and, you know, sometimes, you know, it's that simple. Um, but you're right. I mean, one of the challenges as, as our organization grows is how are we, you know, to, to your point about distributive leadership and, and, and management is how are we getting information quickly into people's hands so that they can, again, make the right decisions and learn and have the benefit of learning from what others have already gone through. Right. Um, so I, I think, I think, you know, the champions program that we've started and that you guys are involved with <clears throat> is, is incredibly meaningful for our business. But for me, it's, it's, it, again, I keep using the word ancillary and I don't mean to, to downplay the benefit because it, but it's a benefit that we may not have seen initially is, is, how motivated and passionate they are. So for us, this is also about doing what's right for our talent and our team and giving them an opportunity. You know, I mean, the champions are, are thinking about new business on one day and, and, you know, a better plan for humanitarian aid in, in Ukraine the next day. I love these it. are massive topics. You know, these are big, things, one of them obviously incredibly so at the moment, but <clears throat> it, it, it makes for a very fruitful experience for them. And that, that means a lot to me, um, you know, beyond the, the business application of all of this. Without a doubt. And one of the things I've, I've noticed working with your awesome people, you know, and, and we take for granted as primary language speakers of the English language itself is, you know, all these different people with all these different nationalities and backgrounds speaking in a second language. And, you know, after a few days, you think, wow, just to do what we're doing in a second language. It makes me feel stupid. It does. <laughs> it really totally. does. You know, Every I, time. <laughs> me and Elliot, yeah. Me and Elliot had a conversation like, are, are we realizing this next day? So we just need to stop a moment here. I just want to say something. You know, you're all doing this. You're all doing this in your second language. So if you're struggling with it, that's okay. By the way, it's hard normally. And just to tip your hat to that, but also then the different cultural understandings, what these tools and techniques were allowing people to do is have that real clarity and alignment. So if there's a misunderstanding between two nations, using these techniques, they could talk it out. And before they step off, they were aligned. And that was such a big sort of reveal after two or three days that we move forward as one rather than individual countries. And that goes back to Bryce's point, sharing the learnings. So you yeah. start to get a cohesive unit. It doesn't matter where you're dispersed across the globe. You are operating as a single force with, you know, your intent and vision going forward as a group, which is yeah. phenomenal. And then, of course, guys, you, and you'll know this, but because it's impacted you, you know, you'd be doing all these things in person normally, traveling here, there, and everywhere. So to, to have this, these kinds of, of programs, whether it's retention programs, attraction programs, you know, the, the interesting and, and, and meaningful learning and development things that we have underway at the moment. It, it's giving people, again, a sense of purpose and a sense of connection yeah. and meaning beyond just kind of a transactional relationship with their employer. Right. And, and that's, again, that is, frankly, my responsibility. Yeah, it uh, is. And, yeah. and, and I think the Champions Programme is a, is a phenomenal representation. Well, this is why we always say that, you know, red team thinking is a set of tools and techniques, but it's also a mindset. And the mindset at the end of the day is what's most valuable. The tools and techniques are ways of developing that mindset, of training our brains so that we become critical thinkers, to, so that we're countering group things, so that we're looking at things from the perspective of other people. And if you do that and you do it consistently, what you end up doing, as you've seen, 
is you start to change the culture of the organization. And at the end of the day, that's what this is really about. It's improving the culture of an organization, making an organization into a learning organization that can adapt and evolve to changing circumstances, that enables distributed decision-making and, and trust its people because it knows that its frontline leaders have these tools and techniques to make good decisions. And as you said, Christian, at the end of the day, it's the decisions that matter. And it's a decision-making culture that creates consistently good decisions. And, and you're, you, you talked about responsibility that you have as a CEO, but as a leader, and you know this more than any of us, you know, cascading that capability and enabling those people to be unleashed. And we talked about unleashing their superpowers. And when we met, when we met the team a couple of weeks ago in London for that face-to-face day, that was just fantastic to catch up. But we were talking in the evening about Spider-Man and Uncle Ben. And I remember Uncle Ben saying to Spider-Man, yeah, with great power, as a Spider-Man comes great responsibility. And I think that's what the champions were feeling. They, they, they sense they've got this new power, this new superpower, and they really feel now responsible to use it for good. And they want to, and they're passionate about it, and they're really driven to make a difference. And it's just so humbling to see that energy. But I think it's, it's within all of us, but most organizations don't allow that to be unleashed. It's sort of conformity. The system beats us down to get in line. You know, where enabling this just brings back that inner child, that why curiosity. Well, it requires leadership, right? It requires a leader like Christian to to unlock this. I think we should I think we should take a break here. And when we come back, I want to I want to come back to this point about leadership and how leaders can unlock that superpower, unlock that greatness in their teams. We'll be right back. Does your organization have a red team culture? Is it an innovative, learning and resilient culture that is continually improving, continually adapting and continually evolving to meet the new challenges and opportunities each day brings? Or is it reactive, siloed and hamstrung by command and control leadership that doesn't like to be challenged or questioned? Does your organization encourage diversity of thought and ensure that everyone's voice is heard? Or does it silence dissent and promote those who toe the line? Take our free assessment and find out how your organization rates. There's a link to it in the notes below. Let's see how you score. Welcome back. Now, I said I wanted to talk about leadership, but Christian, during the break, one of the things I was thinking about is I'd love to hear, and I don't want to to put you on the spot and ask you about anything that's competitive or, or, or client names or anything like that. But I'd love to hear just an example of how your teams have been able to use red team thinking to help your clients specifically. Um, I think people would really find that interesting. Is there an example that you could talk about and share with us? There is actually no, quite a recent one. Um, we, um, we have a, an impressive uh, operation in Spain and, um, have some, you know, some wonderful clients, uh, out of, out of that, uh, out of that office. And one of our champions, in fact, used, um, one of the tools, I, I believe it was Devil's Troika. One of my favorites. Uh, in a way to, yeah, which is a great one, kind of a Mac daddy, um, uh, to really uncover uh one of the challenges they were having and teed up a series of solutions really quickly far quicker than i think any other kind of general process would have offered up uh any normal brainstorming so that client who is a global client of ours as well as a local client for our team in spain i think got a huge amount of um benefit out of that particular tool and, and this is, you know, we're at the beginning of this experience and we, we just, we intend this to accelerate more and more as we start to, to help more and more of our clients across, you know, new and existing opportunities for partnerships. So, uh, I, I know that that was one that was particularly fruitful. And I know, you know, Marcus, you know a little bit about it as well. Yeah. Just as part of a discussion with the champions. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's one of the things that the team said as we were doing the program with them, and we were doing it over a number of weeks, and we break it up between the modules and they have some time down, downtime, then they come back again. They were talking about this instant applicability. And what was, again, an ancillary benefit was before they'd even finished the course, every time you teach a tool, they were using it the next day. And before we met again, they were all talking about it, sharing it, and then they come back. And when we do a check-in, saying, how's it been going? Any questions? to go, oh, yeah, we were using it with the client. We've been doing this. And I'm like, wow. And they're like, yeah, we were like, wow. We were that capable of using it. And you mentioned earlier that this, this thinking is hard, but the way the tools are constructed and the simplicity of learning them makes it easy to then start using and then engage in that critical thinking, which you know the ACT program you've got in place makes that far more effective. Uh, it's interesting what you, you say, uh, Marcus. There is, a, there is an efficiency to it that's felt at one point. And I, I think there is a, there's a hump you need to get over. And, and I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean that in actually a really intellectually interesting way, right? You're learning something that is, you're, you're learning, um, learning something new. And then once it, it sort of settles in within you, uh, the, the, the ability to apply the thinking quickly is there. And I think anyone who participates in that process also feels the power of it, right? Whether they're trained in it or not, you, you see and feel the benefit very quickly. So that, that's something that frankly we need, uh, you know, uh, uh, we need that instant app application. Well, that's, you know, it's interesting you say that Christian, because that's actually why I developed Devil's Troika in the first place is, is, you know, as you know, the, if you go back to the origins of formal red teaming in the intelligence community in the military, it was really set up to, you have one group develops a plan, and then when they're satisfied with the plan, you give it to the red team, and the red team does a contrarian analysis, tries to stress test that plan, tries to find poke holes in that plan and, and shore up the weaknesses of that plan. But that takes a lot of time. And, and yeah. so the reason I came up with Devil's Troika was to make that one process so that with a small group of people, you ideate, you iterate, and you challenge. And everybody's yeah. involved in all three aspects. And then as you saw in that case, you know, in just a, a day or two, you've developed a plan, you've improved the plan, you've challenged the plan, and now the plan is is really robust, has a lot of optionality baked in, is yeah. resilient, and, and, it, and it doesn't take that much time. That's the thing. Yeah. No, it doesn't. It didn't take a huge amount of time. And, and something that we, you know, we may not have talked about too much uh, as relates to um, the mindset, but how fun <laughs> it is, yeah. right? Yeah. It, it, it's, it's a, and especially yeah. that tool, right? I mean, that, that tool is, you know, is a huge amount of fun to, to go through that experience, as right. you say. And the benefit that, that an increased and enhanced bond between client and agency has going through that journey and through that process is, is something not to be underestimated. Oh, absolutely. And Bryce talked about the military where you hand this off to someone else as a closed door, Chinese wall. And you just don't get any of that with this capability. As you said, you're blending client with your own people. We're working with a new team in Canada at the moment, and they've got 18 new people all coming in from different agencies. And just the bonding process of going through this, you know, as you said, fairly difficult, mentally rigorous training, but they all get over that initial speed bump at some point very early on. And once they do, they just accelerate, they go together, and they're learning each other's ways of thinking and the way just behavioral and, and it's a lot of you see you see the fun the spark comes back in people's eyes you know back in the old day right we're all going to go and do a SWOT analysis and blue sky thinking and it was like great trudge to the boring room and now it's like let's do it let's do some more well and you just did a a, a program with the rest of some of our other teammates in, in uh for nato and you used this tool and they were using their traditional process in another country to develop work on the same plan and and the admiral in charge was blown away about how you guys were able to come up with an even more robust plan in, yeah. in just half a day absolutely compared to what they've been working on for weeks oh, yeah. uh, at their other office yeah they said how have you done this we've we've spilt blood on the floors and ceilings and taken two weeks <laughs> and didn't come up with anything as good as what you guys have done how did you do it and they said we did it in 90 minutes 
and we involved everybody. And that involved a civilian intern, the newest, youngest junior female lieutenant, all the way up to the oldest grizzly lieutenant colonel in the room. And just said, having that diversity of thought and everybody chipping up ideas and the young lieutenant, the young lieutenant being there, she said, if it hadn't been for these tools, I would not have spoken all week. And then once the Admiral heard that, it's like, right, make it so. This needs to be the, yeah. the de rigueur way we operate going forward. Just, and it's so heartwarming. It's just lovely to hear that and see people being allowed, you mentioned earlier, to be curious, to step up right. and speak up and have that admiral or some senior old guy who's normally, no, listen, and then go, wow, that's really great. Let's, let's take that idea. And that just builds their confidence up phenomenally. But, you know, it can only happen with good leadership, right? The tools, it doesn't matter how good the tools are. If there's not a leader that has bought into this, that has enabled her, his team to use these tools and techniques, then it's, then it's all for naught. And that's why I want to talk about leadership, Christian, because you, you, you are one of the best leaders I have had the pleasure of working with. And I'm not just saying that because you're a client and, and, and I, as you know, I was a business journalist for 20 years. So I have worked with a lot of CEOs in a lot of different industries and a lot of different companies all over the world. And you really embrace this idea that I think is so powerful of servant leadership. And I, and, and I may be wrong, but I think part of the reason may be that while our paths never crossed exactly, they ran very parallel for, for a few years because you were working with Ford from a marketing point of view at the time that I was covering Ford as a journalist, writing my first book about Ford and working with Alan Mulally, uh, who was then CEO of Ford, who is really one of the best embodiments of this idea of servant leadership. No, you're exactly right. I mean, we, uh, you know, a, a number of us talk about these things and, and, and our, we, you know, these discussions for me are really meaningful because they're, they're core tenets to the culture of the, the business. Um, but for me, it's, 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 Within our group, we kind of refer to it as shoulder to shoulder leadership. So, because I think servant leadership is, is, is a, the philosophy behind it is so important. And it's about creating a better, happier work environment, right? That's hugely important and in service of your people and, you know, allowing them to, to distribute decision-making and make decisions, better decisions on behalf of clients. Fully support that. But there's there's also parts of this that's around solving, I think. And this is really the benefit of um, of ACT for us, is this the solution-mindedness um, that's required to when you work with clients. And it's it's kind of this notion of power with, not power over. Love that. Um, you know, those, those you lead. And for me, that's, that's a central tenet. And it's, and it's core to how we operate as a business. Um, as, as colleagues, not, not as hierarchical operators. Uh, and we, we find it works for us and we find that, uh, it allows us to, to make, make quicker decisions. And, and better decisions. As well, and it, it's essential to making better decisions because, you know, it's, it's, you know, one of the first things that they taught us when I was going through the U.S. Army's Red Team Leader course at, at, at Fort Leavenworth is you can't Red Team in the Fuhrer bunker. You know, we, I think most people have seen that, that great clip uh, from the movie Downfall of, yeah. of Adolf Hitler. Yeah. Uh, just absolutely losing it <laughs> on his generals, and that's 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 uh, you know from what I've read that is that is almost verbatim from the transcripts of what actually transpired during that meeting in the bunker in the last days. But a lot of a lot of CEOs have a similar mindset. They don't want people to tell them what's going wrong. They just want to hear what's going right. They don't want to receive disconfirming evidence. And they end up believing their own propaganda. And I mean, you know, we're seeing that graphically play out right now, unfortunately, for the mm-hmm. entire world in Ukraine, where, you know, Vladimir Putin clearly 
is someone who hasn't had anybody challenging his thinking for a very long time. It's not even command and control anymore in that situation. It's command and comply. You know, it's do as I say. And as you, yeah, that's that directive leadership. And I think you've mentioned that word so many times today, Christian. We're going away from being the director to the enabler. It's the creation of that environment where your people can flourish, where they can feel comfortable and confident to fail fast and learn and share, make mistakes. And as you said, though, they're doing that shoulder to shoulder. I remember that first session we did where you came in first and sort of opened it. And people were like, the CEO's in the room. Is this for real? And then when you said what they did, what you did there was like, what, he wants us to challenge him? He wants us to think like him? This is, and they look at you left and like the Star Wars moment, it's a trap. And I was like, guys, it's not. You know, seriously, we've spoken a yeah. lot with Christian about this is why we're here. He's serious. And then when we went out and met you for dinner the other week and the guys met you for the first time face to face and just the way you were talking to them and they sensed your passion in this and they were like, this guy is actually for real, isn't he? I'm like, you've seen it. How many more times? Yeah. And you oh, are, yeah. And I was like, you are so fortunate yeah. to have this capability over your organization and, and the leadership that you're bringing and the rest of your team. And it's, it's phenomenal. And I think it's just such a powerful requirement to enable this capability. Now that apply critical thinking doesn't work without yeah. that top-down support, which you provide in spades. And that, that's been really purposeful, um, Marcus, across that executive leadership tier as well, right? We, we know that license to, to operate really has to be there. Uh, for for this to succeed, otherwise, the the proving ground's not there, and and um, you know it will it will fail before it starts. Wow, I really love your take on leadership, Christian. You know, one of the things that's so interesting to me when you talk about enabling your team to develop solutions to make decisions is. The day that Alan Mulally retired from Ford, that he announced his retirement from Ford, I was I was on uh, Maggie Lake's show on CNN, talking about his, Alan and, and his legacy and 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 his, his what he'd done at Ford and Boeing, and did a great you know we did did a great interview. And when we were done recording, and they switched the camera off and were and were unmiking us, she said to me, you know, I've interviewed most of the big CEOs in the world today. They've all been sitting in this chair at some point. And yet I haven't met anyone else like Alan. You know, he's of all the CEOs I've interviewed, he he just has such a different take and it's so refreshing. It's so it's needed in the world today, she said. And she said, why do you think there are so few Alan Mullally's in the world? And I said, because there's so many Jack Welch's. And, you know, not that, that Jack Welch didn't have some really interesting and innovative ideas, but he brought a style of leadership, at least to the United States, that was very much tied to the personal leadership of the CEO. That the CEO is the guy, and in his model, it was usually a guy who has all the answers, who comes in and, and as he famously said, shoots from the hip, you know, and, and blows things up and, and, and disrupts everything and tells everyone what to do and how to do it. And, and it created this culture, I think, again, definitely in the United States. And I think, you know, in other countries as well, to a lesser degree, where the CEO has to be that person. And that if you ask questions, if you let other people put forward solutions, it was viewed as almost a sign of, of being a weak leader when in fact, that's the, that's how you become a strong leader. Yeah, let's see. Yeah. And, you know, if you look at what, what Alan did at Ford, and I know that you were working with them during the part of this time, Christian, every, almost everything that he did, almost every lever he pulled was something that someone else came up with in the team. Someone else had suggested, someone else had been working on even before he was even hired as CEO. And yet I had an opportunity to talk with all of those people and ask them what would have happened without Alan? And they all said, we would have run out of money before this plan ever was implemented, or this plan was going nowhere before Alan, because the culture was pushing back on it so hard. And so the role of, of a servant leader is to be like a, an icebreaker. I think, 
you know, to clear a path for the team to do what it knows how to do, but can't do without this powerful force that's being a wedge that's clearing a way for it to happen. Totally agree. And I, and I think, yeah, I mean, he, he is, there, there are, I can't think of anyone quite like him really. Um, uh, remarkable, remarkable leader. Uh, and, uh, and I think an inspiration to many. Um, I think what's interesting is what, what we try and do is work on, work on the intention together so that we, we're, we're coming up with what we think the plan is together. And again, that's not me or, or another CEO setting the intention. It's actually working on that together and then empowering the people who frankly can do that job role requirement better than we can to use yep. their, their good judgment to, to go off and do what they need to do. I mean, that you talked about kind of distributive management. I mean, that, that's what that is, right? right? That is, that is allowing people who are at the, you know, at the cold face, who need to make a decision quickly to make that decision because they've been empowered and they understand the intention and the path. And, uh, uh, and I think that that's certainly what, what Alan did and is, a yeah, is an inspiration to this, to, to what leadership is about, you know, in today's world. And it's what you've done at media brands. It really is what you've done at media brands. I mean, Bryce, I, th I think the humility point you made is, is actually a really important one. And I, uh, there's a, I think it's a Ken Blanchard quote, um, may have been someone else. But it, I, it's really potent, I think, and it, it fits with Alan's style of leadership and certainly the style of leadership that's inspired me, which is um, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Oh, I love and, that. Uh, and I, I just think that's so awesome. Right. And it's super empowering and very reflective of, of kind of how he operated in both both of those um, executive leadership roles are both Boeing and Ford, and and it have proven to to lasted. Uh, you know, it's a long, long wake he left, and um, you know that that struck at the core of fabric of the organisation, both at Boeing and at and at Ford, as as you know we both know so well. So, Indeed. yeah, the humility side of this is important, uh, and I think you know. It is for us certainly. It is a people business, and uh, and you need to need to be empowering in in, um, in giving people the opportunity to do what they probably do better than you. Uh, giving them that opportunity. That's such great advice, Christian, for any leader. And I hope that that folks who are listening really take that to heart. It's so important. I noticed we've lost Marcus, and uh, I just got a Marcus. I just got a text from him saying that. Uh, it's because he's lost power in in in, in North London. So uh, welcome to the UK. Oh dear. <laughs> somebody, somebody at uh, on the electrical grid apparently hasn't been red teaming uh, the situation very well. But um, wow, such an interesting conversation, Christian. Such a, such a joy to talk with you. As, as we as we talked about earlier, you have been someone who has really taken what we teach taken it to heart, made it part of your organization, made it part of your leadership style. And I, I just love to see how you have evolved it, how you continue to evolve it, and the difference it's making in media brands throughout the EMEA region. I think it's, it's such a powerful proof point, such a powerful case study. Yeah, it's been a privilege for me. And I know um, all those who connect and engage with it as a mindset and as a philosophy, see the meaning pretty immediately. And, uh, and that's what this is about. You know, we, it is a competitive world. Our business is only getting more competitive. So right. there is a, there is a time factor to this, right? And I think that's, that's where 
Uh, red team thinking, or as we called it, applied, applied critical thinking is, is so beneficial for people is that it's applied quickly and it, it shows its value quickly. I love it. That's great. Well, I hope you continue to use it with great effect. Thanks again for coming on uh, on behalf of myself and Marcus. Um, we really appreciate you sharing your ideas, sharing your insights, sharing your experiences with our audience. Love to have you on again at some point to talk about this more because I can't wait to see what more you're going to do at Media Brands. It's been such a pleasure. Thanks so much, Christian. Thank you, Bryce. And thank you, Marcus. It's a privilege. Thank you for listening to the Thinking Leader podcast sponsored by Red Team Thinking. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so that you don't miss the next idea-filled episode. Also, check out Bryce and Marcus's YouTube channel, Red Team TV. There you'll find video of today's podcast as well as previous episodes. And don't forget to visit redteamthinking.com to learn more about Red Team Thinking work and Marcus and Bryce's upcoming online courses. While you're there, take our free quiz to find out how you rate as a Red Team Thinker and if your organization has a Red Team culture. Because who thinks wins? Wins.